I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So Audrey, somehow it became the middle of March already. We're cruising through, and uh, I don't know where the time is going, but there's some big things that are happening in the very near future here when it comes to all things tech, innovation, and, and inclusion in the Pittsburgh area. Right. So what's cooking up It's an days? inclusive innovation week. And that's a week that was started by our city. Right. Trying to figure out a way to have different things each and every day where the entire community, not just the tech community, can sort of coalesce around a series of topics. And they're all-day events. If you actually just go to Google and Google Inclusive Innovation Summit 2019 Pittsburgh, you'll start to see... This is our fourth year, and this time it's a three-day summit. And the event is an opportunity for local organizations and businesses to come together and showcase their own vision for inclusion in Pittsburgh. So it's going to take place in two locations. The evening events will be at the Kelly Strayhorn Theater on a Thursday and uh, the Children's Museum on a Friday. So if you go, you'll start to see what I mean when we're talking about inclusion. And inclusion is a word that many of you probably think is a little bit overused and doesn't necessarily really articulate um, what it is that we're trying to achieve. So there's going to be about 40 events, and the events include companies talking about what they're working on, companies that are, and organizations that are working really hard to make sure that that people are not left behind and that there's opportunities for them to develop their business, develop skill sets, develop their ideas, and to partner with people. On that Thursday of that week, which is the 28th of March, we are actually hosting Backstage Capital. We're excited about I'm that. I'm very too. excited this about that. Backstage Capital, yeah. again, just Google Backstage Capital and you'll see, read the story about the woman who started. Her name is Arlen. And Essentially, her objective was within one within a short period of time, I think she did it in a year and a half, she wanted to invest in about 150 companies, and not necessarily tech, but companies who were building ideas that the leaders and the founders represented underrepresented people Interesting. in right, right, right. the ecosystem of entrepreneurship. So African-Americans, women... Um, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. uh, people who identify as uh, minorities right. in our country. Right. And her objective is to surround them with the right people to help them grow. And that includes yeah. making sure that they have access to customers, making sure they have enough capital, making sure they have people who understand how to market. And she has successfully, I believe, led 150 rounds of investment of a few shapes and sizes, and I believe she's on her next fund. Wow. So very, she has a very inspirational story. She's very matter-of-fact. And um, her partner is coming to Pittsburgh because okay. I think she's speaking in Philly at the same time. Very cool. 
And is we're going to have a chance. Yeah, first time. Whoa, so we have an opportunity here to kind of show her what's going on in good old Pittsburgh. So we're pretty excited about that. We'll have information on our website as well yep. about that particular event. PGH the Tech. Thing that's, the PGH Tech. And uh, the thing that's very interesting about this event is that there is no reason for anyone not to to attend any piece of it. There's going to be childcare. There's going to be food around. There's going to be obviously plenty of opportunity to mix and mingle. There'll be plenty of talks that will be going on for those three days. In the previous three years, we did it for five days. So I think now we're trying to pack Condense it into it down three so days. That way, people can, that yeah. way everyone can participate. Less we can have a it. higher density. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my hat's off to the URA Definitely. and the, for being at the helm of this and the city. Uh, because it's just important. It's a great opportunity for people to have, you know, conversations that they might not have, encounter people who they had no clue were building solutions. Right. Or, and and the great. kinds of companies that we'll see, they can be anything from clothing to people building to metal it's works. Right. It's not to technology. Tech, right? It's just almost everything. And I think that's really the beauty of people coming together for these few days. It's exciting because as this happens, I think it's the intersections where the magic starts to happen, as you said. And I hope we start doing more and more of this so it doesn't just become something that happens you know, once in the early spring, but something that happens on a more regular basis. I know the Tech Council is really trying to do its role, bringing folks like Backstage Capital in town in order to kind of keep this momentum rolling forward. So I think this is just super exciting. You know, what we ought to do is, is when Backstage comes to town, we should bring them to the old podcast room here. We should. We'll Technology have a chance Council to talk to them. And grab some grab some, some cool conversations with them, because I think that's going to be really exciting to get that word out as far as that goes. So that's why I said March is a great month for what's going on here in Pittsburgh. And at the same time, Audrey, you know, next week we're going to be uh, celebrating the winners of the Pittsburgh CIO of the Year Awards, which is very exciting for us. It's one of our biggest events of the year. That's happening on the 22nd. I'm sorry, yeah, the 21st. Right, and that's Chief Information Officer, Chief Information Security Officer. Exactly. So these are people who are making sure that each and every day, if you work in a company or an organization or a nonprofit, these are the people who are making sure that your actual business-critical tools are running nonstop. You take it for and granted. Very our often, email it's works, taken right? for granted. Yeah, it's like it's 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 not the simple flip of a switch. There's lots of strategy going on. Plus, this year, Audrey, there's a new category. We have a rising star category that's going to honor some of the up and coming talent within the industry as well, too. So, I'm excited about that. And so, next week on Tech Vibe Radio, we will be actually announcing the winners from the night uh, before that. And I'm excited to bring that to our listeners here on the show as far as that goes. So, so much going on. So there is. There's a lot going on. It's so, good. It's great that it's spring. Yeah, it's coming Hopefully together. Hopefully we will have There's life after you know, some, some lightness and we'll have some <laughs> dancing. There's a silent disco that Friday night, too. What? A silent disco? Have you ever disco? been to a silent disco? I have not been to a silent disco. That's where you put your headphones or your ear pl- pods in okay. and you dance to whatever you want to dance. Whoa. Too, so you okay. might be dancing to the Stones and right. I might be dancing to Radiohead. There you go. Where's this happening? Um, I'm excited about sure. <laughs> the silent, just Google Silent Disco Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's that Friday night, the, the 29th. On, on the 29th, so that's a cool way to get the inclusion we Yeah, going Silent on. Disco. <laughs> silent that disco. means I don't, I don't have to dance to your stuff that's and you don't right. have to dance to mine. I mean, all live in our but own little world. We can still dance. We live in our little world. I don't know. Maybe we should have a discussion about that we might have at to. some point. Because <laughs> that might be really, 
you know, taking us to a new level. But it is fun. I've done it before. Sounds but awesome. I want to connect on the song. See, these are things I just don't know, and I'm no, glad you bring you it to my are attention. a dork of all dorks. <laughs> I'm a dork of all dorks. But you can dance. I can. You saw my moves you can at, dance. Yeah, Mardi Gras at the Mardi Gras area. celebration for Southwestern Pennsylvania yeah. Epilepsy Foundation. Jonathan in a tux. Dancing. Busting moves, dude. Woo! <laughs> it was not a silent disco night. It was not a silent disco night. We've got a lot of great stuff in front of us tonight. Can't wait to get to it. So if you want to learn more about the Pittsburgh Technology Council and how we help technology companies succeed, go on over to pghtech.org and learn all about us there. We'd love to be part of your business in 2019. So many ways we help you succeed. So this is Jonathan Kirsten. And this is Audrey Russo. Be right back after this quick break, I swear. Welcome back, everybody. You are indeed tuned in to Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsten. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, we've got a pretty cool guest with us right now. Yeah, I'm yeah. interested to do a little bit of a conversation with this Jason on Campus to Careers. Hello. Great to be here. I'll tell you what. So How Jason, are you? Yeah. Doing great. Give us your background real fast. So I spent over 14 years in post-secondary admissions. Uh, coming out of college, I was a public relations grad, and I started out in admissions going around to all the high schools throughout western Pennsylvania, uh, getting to meet families, students counselors, building relationships, and understanding some of the challenges that people have when going to college. And, yeah. and I was fortunate to progress and grow through the ranks, promoted within, and, and had a lot of different responsibility to essentially overseeing the entire admissions, op- admissions operation for a multi-campus school. And within that, it's just admissions became a passion to me. It was really a lot of fun to work with students and families. And then from there, after 14 years, I decided to transition into executive recruiting had a passion for that, and uh, a lot of my school counselor friends that I built relationships with were talking to me about being what's called an independent education counselor, which many people don't even know exists. I know. This is why I was <laughs> excited to have you on the show, because this is something I had never really heard of until we first met when you mm-hmm. joined up at the PTC. Yeah. But before we get going, what's your website? So in case our listeners are out there, they can like dial in right now and kind of start checking out the site. Sure. It's campus to career crossroads with an S. So no fancy spelling, just as it sounds, right. campus to career crossroads.com. Very cool. So being this, 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 this independent consultant, how, how does this work? It's a profession. It's funny in Pittsburgh, most people don't know this option exists for families, but if we go to other spots of the country, it is very common when families begin the college planning process to have an advocate independently that works on their behalf, that helps them in the planning process, that helps them in the strategizing process, the visiting process, the financial aid process, and really, you know, attending colleges that fit them academically, socially, and financially. People in Pittsburgh love what I do, but don't know in a lot of sense it exists. Right. Well, maybe more people are going to know. Exactly. Okay, so who's your target population of the kids in 11th grade? No, it's funny. Um, 11th grade would be one. I I have families really all across the board that reach out looking for help. Uh, It seems like anymore in schools, especially we have a lot of competitive public and private schools in our region, uh, families are getting bombarded with a lot of college information. And parents realize it's been 20 years since they've gone through this process, and they're very confused, and they don't know how to help their children best. So I have families that reach out at all different levels saying, we want to begin the planning process to be effective. We don't know what to do, but we want somebody that's going to be an expert and an advocate Mm -hmm. on our behalf to reach out to us. So it's really all different levels that uh, of all different age groups I work with, Audrey. So how young? 
Usually the freshmen. Uh, freshmen? Yeah, exactly. And, so, uh, and, and it can be kids who are, have sports skills to kids who don't to, I mean, navigating through that is complicated as well. Exactly. And there's people that specialize a little bit in the athletic side. Do they? Yes. Okay. So there's people that now it's, again, this is such a crazy competitive landscape. Most people don't realize that athletic students, especially somebody might be looking at a Division One school, has... Uh, extensive video libraries, highlights, uh, athletic resume. And again, I would work in collaboration with that partner. I focus a little bit more on the academic side, okay, helping families find that best fit college for them. And one of the things I take a lot of pride in for families is helping them find colleges that they wouldn't find on their own. A lot of times we find that people pick colleges just because their friends went there, we're very, I say, university rich here in the Pittsburgh region. So yeah, we people are. Sometimes just so, right. look internally or look in a 60 mile radius. But, and those are things that I help family with, uh, even developing their radius, whether they want to look in certain spots of the country, look regionally, and, and decide those type of things to help a family navigate the process. There's like an emotional side. It is emotional. Too, where people like, are like, wait. For drawing our radius here, I want I don't want my child going too far away. And the kid's like, I want to get as far away as possible. <laughs> so, so you might be in the stuck between some very you know, cantankerous situations where you have probably conflicting ideas as to what a great school is going to be by distance, by its reputation, by what a kid really wants to go to school for. And that's got to be kind of complicated. Or maybe not go to school, right? Right. Right. There are, and the nice part with what I do, I'm not a college for all independent education counselor. Mm-hmm. So if there's great resources and options, Tech Elevator, for example, mm-hmm. here in the Pittsburgh you know coding schools. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, I think students, and I have one family right now to share. They're actually at a freshman level. They have two great sons, and one of them uh, is interested in automotive, and they're very supportive of that. And we've made a lot of inroads getting him connected to industry. That's great. People at Ford Motor Company already really? just because of the Jeez. talent shortage. One of the things I'm passionate probably that's unique interesting. is uh, connecting students to industry. And that's why I wanted to be a part of the Pittsburgh Technology Yeah, Council. that's great because that's all we are. Yeah, and it's I'm a big – I love admissions. I love talent acquisition, and I love being around industry. But one thing that I find is academia and industry are disconnected, as we know. Very and, much so at times, right. And I try I, – Right. They don't understand what industry really needs in terms of their capabilities. Exactly. And, and so, it's very nimble right now. It's not in ink. And it, I find that a lot of my students, I deal – seems like a, a little niche that I've developed is a high amount of STEM students in these high schools in our region. But ironically, they don't know the possibilities that are out there. And it's interesting because we've got these Pittsburgh Technology Council members struggling, and I go to the workshops and the seminars, and I think students would be genuinely interested in, in, for example, let's say Life Science that was in TEQ Magazine recently. Mm -hmm. I haven't sat down with a student and family, and again, I haven't talked to everybody in the region about what I do, but most people don't know what life sciences are. They don't mm-hmm. know the sector exists, and it's wild when we think of the universities. We have a lot and, here. And the healthcare driving this. Mm-hmm. And Medical devices. Everywhere. I think students would be super interested in that. Mm-hmm. So that's part of what I think uniquely that I do as an independent education professional with training and background and experience in professional associations that gives me a best-in-class knowledge. Two things that makes my process unique is I'm family-centric. I want the mom, the dad, the student working together in this process. You have to. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to make it kind of sticky, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's going to 
makes such a better decision for the student and the family because it's a family decision in many ways, obviously, when, when someone's going to school. So. so how do people find out about you other than you being on a radio show <laughs> right? boasting it out? We need to get you out there in other ways because this uh, is an important service. You know, I, I do try to talk a lot through community organizations. I'm a person that loves to network. I still love public relations, being out, sharing the message of what I do. But I don't think people understand the profession of independent education. No, counseling. they don't. They probably don't. I would I would agree with you. And one thing that I'm very clear with families in the beginning is I'm not about acceptance letters. If we are looking at a college-bound student, I'm looking about matriculation and engagement because I still keep up with many of my director of admissions colleagues throughout the country. And it's not about just getting a student acceptance letter, which many people chase. But more importantly, getting them on campus, I want my students to know five to seven reasons why that school fits mm-hmm. for them. And they can go to school and successfully matriculate, not have an acceptance. Well, letter. I see. So that's a pretty big problem where people pick a school. We've got about a minute and a half left. Um, and they get there and they realize that they can't fit in there. I bet I, you that happens more often than we would ever know. Yeah, there's a lot of problems where people, I find people don't understand what I think I help bring to people is how to set their goals, needs, and objectives through the college buying process. I learned early on in my admissions days that people struggle staging and strategically thinking about the college buying decision, and it is that. And I think when you step back, understand your goals, your needs, objectives, and then when you start to visit these colleges and you empower people to ask the right questions based upon their needs – they're going to find that better fit that they thrive in from the freshman year through their through. senior year. Cool. And that's my goal. We're just about out of time. Jason Velozzi, once again, your website so people can check you out. Campus to career crossroads.com. Very, very Great. cool. Thank, Thank you, you for so the opportunity. Much. Thank uh, you. So much fun. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Making yeah, a big I'm having difference a blast there too. as far as that goes. Hey, we're taking a quick break. We're coming back with more Tech Vi Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Rousseau. Learn more about the Pittsburgh Technology Council by going to pghtech.org. Follow us on Twitter at pghtech. So, Audrey, sometimes when we do Tech Vibe Radio, we get some guests on where we got to like open it up a little bit. You know, we can't just encapsulate it in a single segment of Tech Vibe Radio, we got to double it up. Yeah, so just everyone who's listening, don't move, stay put. Yeah. Or at least get your headphones on and walk around while you're listening to this. (laughs) Grab a beer, relax, and get ready to listen to some good stuff. Because we have, I think, what is one of Pittsburgh's top tech guys. Wow. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I'm saying, Sarjun's (laughs) done some some really cool work over the years. We have Sarjun Scaff with us from Boston Nova Robotics. Just glad to have you here. This is why we're like opening it up for you here. We want to have plenty of space to stretch out. So, I'm super excited. Last time I was here, it was so much fun. Cool, excellent. Well, now you have so, twice the amount of fun. All right. So, like, who is Sarjun the man? Let's just start with that. <laughs> like so that she this calls can you be the man. Yeah. <laughs> who is Sarjun the man? And then we'll get into Boston over robotics. Uh, it started as a little boy, right? Little boy. <laughs> I was a little baby. Born and raised in wartime Lebanon. And, I know, uh, right? Wait, yeah. that, that's true. Like, that is true. true. true yeah. no, that yeah. part's true. That's crazy. It's awesome. It, uh, it worked great when I was in my 20s and needed an, uh, an opening line. It's a great, it's a big yeah. pickup line, right? It's like, hey, I'm it's from great. wartime Lebanon. It's like a babe magnet. <laughs> like, explosions nice. don't scare me, right? You know, it's like. Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> there, done uh, that. And then I came to uh, CMU for uh, grad school. Yeah. And then started Bossa Nova before graduation, which I uh, should not tell on the radio. I know, right? And, and so, wait, and so you were getting a PhD? Yes, in, in robotics. What? In robotics. At a time where, like, Really? Yeah. Robotics? If you were a robot, you were either 
a war machine or a vacuum cleaner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> those are good. Those are good choices. I like that, clean that, floors. That yeah. <laughs> yes. So there you were. So you you came to CMU because that was obviously the place. It was the one robotics institute, bar none. There was no, nothing else. And I always wanted to build robots, and so uh, I applied, got yeah. lucky, and uh, and came to Pittsburgh. And when was that? Uh, 1999. 1999. 20 wow. years. 20 this years year. ago. I know. Wow. Isn't that great? That's, that's great. So, that's awesome. So, now, so then you you start a company, right? Yeah. Yes. And the name of it's Bossa Nova Robotics. Bossa Nova, because we did not want to build military robots, and we wanted a name that can reflect the happier side. The happier of side of robots. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's like the dancing side. The of dancing robots. side, and we built dancing right. toy robots for the first half of our life. Right. Yes. But now you're in a very different place. That's right. Now we are in a business-to-business model, um, which which is much better on our blood pressure. And what we do is... <laughs> you're down like 30 you, points? You yes, do yeah. look better. <laughs> I love the way your hair used to be gray, and now it's brown again. Yeah. Your face isn't bright red anymore. I know. So let's yeah. make it younger. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, now we solve a bit more mundane problems, uh, which have to do with helping stores manage their on-shelf inventory. So we deploy robots that are the indoor equivalent of level five autonomy, if you mm-hmm. if you heard that phrase. Right. Meaning the robots just move without the need of humans. They're doing their own thing. It's real right? autonomy. Let's thing. just talk. It's, it's real, real autonomy. autonomy. It's real autonomy. It's indoors. We get we get away with it because our robots are slow, so they never hurt. They are anyone, slow. Anyone, mm-hmm. but they also don't bump into anything, and they're super safe. They're around shoppers. We scan the mm-hmm. shelves uh, during. Uh, business hours and when whenever there is a little window of time we go and scan uh, a few shelves and report back on any problem so the and de- ta- yeah, yeah talk about that though How so people work? understand yeah. why scanning shelves it wasn't until i really what are they looking for? watched it yeah when they're scanning these shelves mm-hmm. yeah so we too were incredulous at the at the beginning because retailers came to us saying hey we don't know what's on the shelf and they say, like, get out of here. You can measure and track every right. product that the truck delivers. Exactly. You scan right. it with a barcode. Right. And you also scan everything that you sell. So a simple math subtraction should tell you what's on the shelf. And reality is much more complex and less rosy. It turns out... People steal everything, right? Well, people well, move yeah. stuff around. <laughs> people move stuff... Right. Uh, there is Into their pockets bit... and walk out the door. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the euphemism is shrinkage. Shrinkage. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There is a little, a little of that, but the vast majority of it is, is the fact that you have a flood of products coming from those trucks every night, and you have a staff that is racing to put them on the shelf, okay. and, they're, and they're racing the clock. Ah, they got to get out before people they are have to do your shopping. Right? And yeah. sometimes um, the, the time is up, and you're not done, and so now this pro- these products go back to be restocked in the back room, and the system tracking all of this gets confused. Ah. And so the error actually large. accumulates, and it keeps large. getting worse and worse and right. worse. Oh, wow. Makes sense, okay. And so at, at some point, you start, you start not knowing whether a product is on is on the shelf or not. And so shoppers come and don't find what they want to buy. And that makes for an unhappy ending. Well, isn't, is it still true in retail that people, that um, they, companies actually pay for premier locations? Yeah, depending on the retailer, they, they do. And the premier locations are really well studied. They try to locate products right. at eye level. You could see them from afar. Right, right. 
The, some of the most premier locations are called end caps. These are the sides of right. the aisle that face the corridors. Right. And they're there because they're highly visible. You can't miss them. And um, typically they put them up and they time, they time them with advertisements and other promotions. So it's pretty critical that they be up on time and down on time mm-hmm. and all of that. And all of these are hard to do at scale. So um, a tool like the Bossa Nova robot helps them keep tabs on execution. And, and we help, actually, the store associates figure out what they need to focus on. Well, what surprised you as you, as you started getting in, involved in this world? Besides the piece that you said before that they didn't know. Yeah, pretty yeah. much everything. Like everything? We, yeah, we had to work a store to learn all of those. It is hard. You could run a you... Walmart by yourself right now if yeah. you wanted to, right? You're like a, <laughs> a manager at this point. We really had to work the trucks and put labels on shelves and do everything so we could understand. So to create all the, the workflow. To, yeah, and understand where we could inject technology to help. Right. You know, we're not a technology for its sake, but we're really right. there to make You're them. You're solving problems. You're solving problems. Well, yeah. what, and the response has been amazing. Amazing. Because right? as it turns out, everybody knew of those problems because that's their job and have been looking for alternative solutions. And nothing has worked in the last 30 years. Right. Huh. If you think about it, but the don't they use like software? The don't they? Didn't they just like match up barcodes into their into their software? They like, try, CRMs? but you know, if if your inventory is distorted, if right. you Don't it know what's in the store. Right. It's hard for you to make deductions and, exactly. and extrapolate right. and so, do math. So, so, can you do pattern recognition, like in terms of time? When people buy certain things, can you? That's get what that they do. Of- yeah, they do that, and they see velocity of sales. And if they see a big drop, it's probably an indication that there is something missing on the shelf. Ah. So there are things like this that they do today, and there is simply a limit to that. And what where we come in is we give them eyes on the shelf. We become ground truth. So what they do, the fundamental thing they do with data, is it helps them reset their systems. So if they thought they had products and we look at it and we confirm there aren't, so then you become yeah. true. zero. So could could you rock yeah. us through a scenario as to like how this the robot is deployed and it tells you it's going up and down the shelves, yes. scanning the shelves, and it reports this back. And so if someone gets a report and they can yes. see things are missing or they're not where they're supposed to yeah. be or there's something there that shouldn't be, and then based on that they can take action. How's how's that work? Yeah, I, I, I find it so fascinating. It actually is yeah. fascinating, yeah. Uh, especially if you work in that industry. Um, everything. Um, Today is done with a lot of training and, and or, you know, you have you see them with laser sc- with barcode scanning guns. Yeah. They're trying to find the problems that they can. Well, I see the they get ch- interrupted all the time because was, they have, right, to, sh- they have right. to sell. So shoppers ask them for location of products and what have you. And so what we do is when they first show up, we already tell them what they need to fix and in what order of priority. Not all problems are equal. Okay. And sometimes you tell them, you know what? Skip this problem. Don't worry about it. Go to that one instead. And so the way it happens is that because we take like gorgeous pictures of every product on every shelf and we can really decode it down to, to, to every element, what we do is on their mobile devices, we give them pictures. So they're seeing on their mobile they're device. They're seeing then. it on the mobile device and they look up. So they're they not see just exactly seeing the, the same thing on the shelf. And they're like, wait a second. Yeah. The oatmeal's not where it's supposed to be. Someone and put some Captain Crunch right in exactly. front of it. And we guide them. We put we draw boxes around what they need to actually pick up Whoa. and where they need to put it back. Wow. 
So it's it's it simplifies wow. work, and also it it they they love it because they now know what to fix, right? They're not spending, they're not wasting time going and and chasing so, products that chasing problems that can be invisible at times. So describe right. the actual Bossa Nova robot. Yeah, we got a couple minutes, and we're then gonna, we're gonna we're all right. Break so the robot is, break and we'll is, come back. Is, uh, it looks a little bit like an R two D two with a big optical mast. Okay, and when it runs. It's pretty cool. It it shines bright lights, and as soon as you look at it, you understand it is scanning the shelf. Okay. A lot of thought went into those looks so that people uh, find a friendly device. I was going to say right because yeah. it's interacting with people as they're shopping. How, well, it's around them. Did you were, yeah. did you do like studies to gauge how people Tons react studies, to the robot? A lot of studies. We have human robot interaction uh, researchers on I know, staff. Just, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, and at Carnegie Mellon, who have maybe the, the most experience exactly. in this, right? And and we observe a lot, right? And so we do lots of tests. We do mock-ups. We send foam models. We do lots of those. And what where we converge is a robot that looks friendly enough that you don't think twice about going into the same aisle. Okay, but it won't it also scare looks, you. But yeah, you stay exactly. away from it at the same but time. it's also purposeful. You know, right. it's obviously a tool at work. You see it; it's scanning. So and is... so will it stop if someone walks in front of Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've done 14,000 kilometers so far. If you ask it to grab is, something high on the amazing. shelf, it will grab it for you? Yeah. <laughs> no, no it doesn't you... have arms. <laughs> no, it just no, all has the skin. I, I just have to... It sounds like the perfect thing. man. <laughs> <laughs> for some people, no maybe. For some people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I tell you what, Audrey, we have to take a quick break. But we are coming back yeah. with more Boss Nova Robotics. We have Sarjun Scaff here. What an awesome, awesome company. And this is like the type of company that's making Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. It's robotics. <laughs> it's it's just some great, great stuff. Anyhow, this is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. We're from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. So proud to have members like Boss Nova be part of what we're doing. Like I said, we're coming right back with more Boss Nova Robotics. Hang tight, everybody. As promised, Audrey, we're back with Sarjun Scaff from Boss Nova Robotics. Sarjun, right. thanks for hanging out with us. You bet. We're having way too much fun. <laughs> yes. I love okay, it. Okay, so we're, we're, let's, let's move forward now thinking about these, these Boss Nova robots in the stores. What we're doing is we are finding problems, not solving them. So our robots doesn't have arms. We're not restocking shelves. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is figuring out what are the problems, mm-hmm. generating a lot of those, and then it becomes a business decision whether how much of it you want to fix, how fast. Mm-hmm. Right. If the product is missing and you restock it, you sell it. So there is an increase in sales that come from doing that. Right. I mean, you're making but, a company more efficient and but, more profitable. But you're also finding right? a lot of trends about humans in terms of what they buy, how they buy, what time of day, and things that perhaps they got in different forms before. We really put eyes on the shelf so we know what the shopper is seeing. Right. And you can correlate that to what they're buying. Right. And everything and that, is that visual. Is, and that is absolutely visual. Right. And there's so much, there's a treasure of information right. in just this knowledge. How do you present it so that people would buy it? And we can, and we can see that. It's an ex- it's an exciting time. You must be very busy. There must be a demand. That it's very has, very right? intense. Yes. Is it? It must <laughs> yes. be very very intense. I thought your blood we, pressure was going down. I feel like so, it's going back up again. It did. It okay. did for a while. Now we're two hundred people, so, and we feel we're wait. Like, you're two hundred mm-hmm. people. We are, believe it. And both? we feel we're half half where we need to be. Oh my goodness! Just to serve right to serve the demand. Yes. And That's so crazy. you're working at Carnegie Mellon with these. Human-computer interaction designers yes. for robots. The socialization of robots is, is fascinating to me Absolutely. in terms of what's yes. happening because you're not really industrial. 
we're not industrial. We're around people. So we are right. what, what the industry calls cobots. Cobots. Right. And there is an whole, a whole art on what it should right. look like and mm-hmm. how it should behave right. and gotcha. what signals to send. And when we first, you asked me what surprises me, when we first put those robots out, people would just ignore them and we would get offended. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's Pay attention robots. to us. Come Look, on. it's autonomous. So they were ignoring them. <laughs> yeah. And then we learned to love those people. Yeah. Please really? ignore it. It's at work. Yes. That's great. And it's, but it's work. fascinating talk. A lot of people don't absolutely, you know, because we're lucky to have an upfront view and obviously you're in this space. People don't understand this emergence of this technology and how it's really not the eradication of jobs. It's it's the transformation of work as we knew it. I, I do think it's a transformation of work um, in, in a long line of technologies that help. And they are really helpers. They are really helping the human. Uh, they do rote work. Like yeah, looking, work like that none of us want to do. To figure yeah. out what is missing right. is actually... Just in, uninteresting. You'd be right. bored out of your brain. Out like of your brain. Minutes, but yeah. machines do a beautiful job. They love it. Right. They want they more and more of it. They don't miss a <laughs> right. pixel, essentially. And so it's a perfect complement in our case. And, and what we want to do is keep capturing more ground truth and expand within stores and expand to multiple format stores. Really capture what we call, really map the retail world. So capture everything that's happening within the four walls because that would tremendously help what humans do with it. But you also have, are getting a pulse on retail, the new world of retail. Yes. Well, the retail is calling for technology like this. You see, right. look around and... If you don't have it, you get left behind, right? I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. Because the, all of us shoppers are now essentially um, being spoiled into wanting everything that we want and wanting it now. And in any way that we want. And so that is creating what we what the industry calls the omni-channel experience. Mm-hmm. I can buy it online, pick it up in the store. Mm-hmm. I can go in the store as well. But sometimes I just want to deliver it at home. And I want it all within a two-hour window. And how do you do that? Well, one good way of doing that is having is leveraging existing stores that are near you. And then using them as a fulfillment center. As so a distribution they become distribution center. centers. Ah, that's that's right. interesting. Yeah. So it's so really it's, transforming the whole it's retail It's transforming. Yeah. And mm-hmm. guess what? You can't do it if you don't know what's in your store. Yes. Yeah, so you, you, you provide the groundwork the ground to make truth. that happen. That's right. right. So what's your, what's your vision for Boston over, over the next two years? We're going uh, – what we're focused on right now is being able to scale, which is – ungratefully hard it's, it's work that happens <laughs> Lord, in the yeah. background nobody sees it's it it's so yeah. unsexy but it's unsexy it is so core so important it takes so much work uh, and it's necessary so you have to do it so that when you scale things don't break and if they break you can fix them faster than uh, exactly than so the eyelid can what's your what's being on almost a 20 year journey yes what's some what are some of the biggest I don't, you know, it's never one thing, but what are some of your learnings, like in terms of you as a leader, as a technologist, building a company, being in Pittsburgh? <laughs> so one thing that worked extremely well for us is to be, it's to be very close to Carnegie Mellon. This has been our, what I call our strategic depth. Yep, absolutely, yeah. We've been able to get ideas, people, technologies, brainstorms. So thanks to your PhD. Yes, I have to. 
You have I to have say to that. give credit right. to Carnegie Mellon. Sure, it's been sure. amazing. But you continue this relationship with them. Like, Absolutely. You guys are working. You have a lab set up stop. with these guys. Like how 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 are you working with them? Right, now? right, right, right. So we're working with the with the biometrics lab. Okay. At Carnegie Mellon, which which may may sound surprising given that we are scanning products. Okay. As it turns out, the biometrics lab is one of the world's absolute best at artificial intelligence and deep learning, which they developed over 10 years to recognize faces. Ah. And the trick was the same technology applies beautifully to recognizing products. Products, right, exactly. So we sponsor the lab. The director is uh, Marios Savides. He's mm-hmm. our chief AI scientist. Mm-hmm. And the results are phenomenal. Can imagine, so the robot right. captures the data and the AI produced by Carnegie Mellon actually makes sense out of it. Oh, so cool, man. And it all comes together right awesome. there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, and, of course, the robot technology itself comes from Carnegie Mellon. So it's a full circle. It is, right. And so what, so think, would you have thought, here you are 20 years later doing this? Was this sort of the vision for the journey that you had for two decades? Absolutely not. We, we actually <laughs> did not. We, we were at, at, at some point, we were a solution looking for a problem. The, prover- the proverbial wrong way of doing right. entrepreneurship. Right, right, right. Uh, in our case, it worked, but I can go to s- classes uh, at universities and tell students not to do that. Um, <laughs> Learn from and me, And so please. we didn't know. We actually, we, we had the technology, a robot that was competent around people, um, and we went knocking on doors and trying to find what people could do with it, and retail imposed itself as a, solu- as, as a problem to be solved. It, it was a eureka, a eureka moment. And for a long time, we were the only game in town. Nobody else. We had to convince retailers that it's cool to have a robot. It won't scare shoppers. We had to convince investors right, that it's okay right, yeah. to invest in hardware and in brick and mortar stores. Everybody thought those were being killed by mm-hmm. Amazon. And in truth, of course, not at all. Amazon is now investing in brick and mortar mm-hmm. and really right. it's the omni-channel experience. Exactly. So we had to cross all of that desert. And now, of course, it's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. Everybody acknowledges that it's a great business and everybody's rushing to it. So, so do you chalk this two-year journey, up, I mean, this two-decade journey up as, okay, you're going to go another two decades? <laughs> Where would be in five more years or so, I, 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 Who knows the future? <laughs> who knows the future? But maybe, maybe not immediately after. In 20 years, <laughs> I want a robot serving me a beer. Yes. <laughs> and I'll call it a day. For example. <laughs> or helping me to the, to the restroom. <laughs> right. like so the secret sauce is yeah. that you are closely aligned with Carnegie Mellon. In our You've case, been yes. able to leverage that. And yeah. what about the people that you've been able to attract to work for you? Yeah, of course we started with the, the Carnegie Mellon pipeline, but as as we grow, we we, sim- we simply needed more. Right, uh, I mean, 200 more, people, I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, it just, it wasn't. And we're also competing for the same talent as self-driving cars, and and that is a very hot market. And so we actually had to uh, to strengthen our presence in California. Right. We have people working from home. We find them wherever they are, and we hire them. Yeah, That's work how, for us. <laughs> yes, yes. It's such a hot, hot market, and it's such a specialized talent that we need. And so do you feel like – so your role there, even though you're a founder, is your role the chief technology officer? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you're not the business guy right now. Right now, no. But as a founder, you have been. As a founder, I continue to go to invest, investor presentations and right. board meetings. But that never stops because essentially, you, it's a whole. It's an integrated whole. 
You mm-hmm. need to know your customer. You need to make sure you can pay your employees. You need to have the technology that's, that actually is solving the problem. And you have to have a 360 view on everything. It is completely integrated. Um, and if you treat any part of it separately from the other, it's a house of cards that crumbles. Mm-hmm. It's it's really fragile, isn't it? it, it yeah. Isn't there you times re- where oh you think goodness. as an entrepreneur, no matter how the size of 200 people, how fragile it still oh, is? Oh, it absolutely is. Absolutely. Like, I... I'm seeing more blood pressure going up here. Yeah, (laughs) it's still a startup. Who knows the future? We know enough not to uh, not to get overly confident on this one. Right, you really can't. We're still living on the edge of our seat. I believe Mm -hmm. it. Yes, it's so fascinating though to see how you've evolved over 20 years and that you're solving these complex problems (laughs) all the way around. And I say to myself. Only in Pittsburgh can a cool company like Boston ever do what it does. No and I'm so glad that the Cranky Mellon's here to attract men and women like you from around the world to come here, pursue their dreams, yeah. pursue robotics, yeah. and build companies like this. So and, awesome. and the Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh uh, office, we have two of them now here, and they're growing. They're our yeah, fastest no. growth and, and biggest sites of, so of cool. all of Bossa Nova. And, of course, if people want to learn more about Bossa Nova, where can, where can they go? To... Our website is pretty yeah. good. Uh, we're, we're putting videos up there. Okay. And... Um, we're uh, we're a bit active on social media, um, so all of that. Of course, being business to business, we're not completely focused on marketing right. out to consumers, right. but um, we're we're not invisible anymore. Gotcha, that's great. We're proud of you. Do you want anything for fun? Yeah, <laughs> well, I have a three-year-old daughter. I That'll know, do it. right? And that defines fun to me. <laughs> that defines fun. All right. Well, awesome. we're going to keep our eyes on you. Thank yeah. you. Sergeant. Thank you so much. Boston Nova Robotics. Pay close attention to them. Absolutely. Audrey, we need like two more segments. I feel like there's so much more to talk about. Oh, I'm so glad we got to hang out with you, Thank Sarge. you guys. It's so Such much cool fun. Stuff. Hey, next Friday, more Tech Vibe Radio. Every Friday, we bring you the best and brightest men and women like Sarjun Scaff, who are making Pittsburgh the awesome city that it is today. Audrey, it's an honor to tell those stories with you every Friday night here on Tech Vibe. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Have an awesome weekend, everyone. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 